the story, the, the, the main part of the story is always the same. Don't get confused or don't get frustrated by external circumstances that you cannot influence. Look at the parts that you can influence and then you have control of your life, your business, whatever. So don't waste your energy on things you cannot change. Welcome to the Location Independent Startup Show. Here we discuss business, lifestyle design, personal development, and much more with some very special guests and experts who have been there and done that. Learn how to live life on your terms with me as your host, British entrepreneur and investor, John Cavendish. Okay, so welcome back to the Location Independent Startup Show. Uh, Today I have with me Esther Jacobs. Uh, Esther is an international TEDx speaker and author. She's given over 1,000 keynotes and is author or co-author of 30 plus books. Her workshops have helped over 400 entrepreneurs to write their book. And I know her through some of, uh, some of the network we're both part of as one of the original digital nomads, having been location independent for over 15 years. Uh, hey, Esther, thank you for coming to the show. Hey. <laughs> well, great to have you here. And um, yeah, we were just talking before we started that last time we talked, you were in the US and now you've just arrived back home. How was the journey? Yeah. A very uh, strange flight, you know, with empty airports, everybody wearing face masks, uh, having to fill in a health questionnaire that they didn't take in the form afterwards. So like everybody's trying to do the right things and nobody knows what they're doing. And I'm getting yeah. on another plane this weekend to fly to Italy, which will be uh, interesting as well. The flight has been canceled three times and I just booked a flight to a different city, rented a car to uh, be able to drive to the piece of olive orchard that I bought in February just before the whole uh, Corona thing started. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, it seems like uh, it almost sounds like when you said you bought some olive orchard, like you're going to go and live in the countryside in the middle of nowhere to hide from Corona, but you bought it before Corona even started. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it's just uh, like a hobby project. I, I really like to own some land and I had some land in Mallorca, but it's becoming too expensive. So I found this little area in Italy where I could buy this plot for almost nothing. And I think it's a nice investment, but also the feeling to own some land somewhere in the world, especially with the type of life that I have with no bases anywhere and, and very fluid. And um, the, the feeling of owning some land somewhere is really something special. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think we talked about this before and I was like, yeah, I would love to buy some land in a similar place. Like it'd be great to have a community of people because I feel the same thing. And I'm in Vietnam where land over here is $10,000 a square meter where I am. So having, yeah, having a piece of land somewhere else would be amazing and actually owning something somewhere in the world. Yeah, the funny thing is the, the, the little village where I bought something, there's other plots available and nobody's buying. So the prices are really low. So there are some friends who've asked me to look out for a piece of land for them. So actually this community thing could be reality, you know, that in around a certain village, we have plots of land and we build like the little Airbnbs or writing cottages or apartments or tiny houses. And then we can just visit each other and help each other with the, the olive uh, harvest and things like that. It would be fun. Yeah, very cool. And yeah, my sister lives in Italy as well. So uh, I could get her to go down, but I'm pretty sure it's in the south, isn't it? Your place, not in the north. Yes, very much in yeah. the south. If, if Italy is this boot, then I'm in the heel of the boot, like this little strip of land with sea on both sides mm. and oh, away awesome. from everything. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, I've never been down there. I've only ever been at the, the very, very top. Isn't it weird to talk uh, between location independent entrepreneurs about owning and buying a piece of land? <laughs> in, it, in the south of Italy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone, I don't know, not everyone, but 
I think part of our community is quite like, you know, we don't do the things that other people do, like, you know, owning land, owning houses, not necessarily owning houses, but everyone wants to be in the new assets, don't they? Cryptocurrency or something where you can get an obnoxious amount of return as fast as possible because yeah I'm, I'm not like that at all maybe it's the the younger nomads who, mm. who do that because i also see the risks you know i'm 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 turning 50 so i've been through a few ups and downs in the economy and when something looks like you know it's never going to end uh, you logically know that it's going to end and also when you're in a depression you know that's also going to end and in my opinion real estate owning like physical assets is for me always the best option because you could always actually live there, you know, there are stones mm. or land, you can rent it out and you have the added uh, value increase that will happen over time if you have enough time. And the whole crypto thing, I know people are making a lot of money and I know a lot of things are happening there, but it's not tangible. It can also disappear, you know, if, if yeah, something happens in the world, it may just disappear. But then also that's where the big, um, gain can be you know the because it's a risk you can earn a lot of money so everybody chooses an area where they feel comfortable and um it's not about the the possible um money you can make but it's also the sense of being in control where others don't feel being in control and that's where you can get the the most benefit yeah the certainty and security that comes from you know this is what's going to be there in 50 years but yeah. I think it's really interesting what you said about cycles, because all of us, you know, I mean, not, sorry, not all of us, that sounds really weird, but you know, if I'm 31, I've only ever been in this ridiculous bull market for the last 11 years, 12 years. And, um, I've been reading fooled by randomness recently, a book. And what it says mm -hmm. is basically the people that look the smartest and the people that make the most money are the people that strategy fits the current market. And so as soon as the market changes, they're the people that, you know, blow up immediately because they look like they're the smartest person in the room. But in fact, just their, their ethos, their personality fits the current market. So, yeah, I really believe what you're saying know, is right. I know some people who actually save up money and they invest when the economy goes down. They know it will happen. So they don't count on, on the good economy that people get used to, but they know there's going to be a dip and then they buy companies, real estate, whatever. And then when the economy goes up, they make a lot of money. Well, that, sounds, that sounds awesome. And um, yeah, I've been kind of thinking, you know, following that strategy since I started making money a few years ago. Um, but, but I've also missed out on the ridiculous gains that have happened in the markets in the last, you know, five, was it three years? Everything's doubled, over doubled, two and a half. It's absolutely crazy. <laughs> Now the cycle will repeat itself mm. and you'll get a second chance and a third chance and maybe even a fourth chance to, uh, to do that. Yeah, hopefully. Well, I hope we all get many chances. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So, yeah, let's, let's dive in a bit. So, um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself, you know, over on above my introduction? Because I know you've done so much in your life. Yeah, I'm originally from the Netherlands and um, I've never worked for a boss. I've always been an entrepreneur. So I've been an entrepreneur for almost 30 years now, I think. Wow. Uh, tried lots of different things, failed in lots of different things and uh, basically found out what I'm really good at. And I only do things that I'm really good at. So some people think that I'm good at everything, but you don't see me do the things that I don't like or I'm not good at. So that's how you develop your strong um strong sides instead of trying to uh, get your weak sides to be average you know that's uh, it's two different ways of, of looking at those things um 
I've traveled a lot. I've been to over a hundred countries. And at some point I felt that I also wanted to give back to do something, you know, good. And I came up with the idea to collect all the leftover foreign currency when the euro was introduced in 2002. Mm. And so I collected all the leftover coins for charity and I collected 16 million euros. <laughs> at that Incredible. time it was $25 million. Uh, now the conversion rate is a little bit different, but 60 million euros that went to charity. And um, so I could tick that off, you know, I've done something good. <laughs> Um, 16 million euros for charity yeah and then you know of course you find out that charities are not very transparent about how they use the money and there's a lot of money disappearing so i also set up a donor organization to bring more transparency um, into the charity world then i got tired of charities and uh, i was very disappointed actually in in you know what i learned and i wanted to get away so um, at one point there was an ad on the radio, this is the last day to register for Survivor, you know, the live, uh, the TV yeah. show on Uninhabited Island. And I was just thinking of getting away. So I registered and I didn't even realize that I would be accepted and ended up on an uninhabited island. So I actually participated in Survivor, uh, which taught me about Oh man, that's, that's another, uh, do you have another hour? Do you, have a, anyway, do you have a YouTube video for that that I can put in the, in yes, the show notes? I do. Actually, <laughs> That'd be I awesome. Do. I, really wanna, um, I really wanna see that. It's a European survivor show. So it's, it's in Dutch, but there are subtitles. Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll send you a link. The, it was incredible. There were such like discussions and injustice. And basically it was a repetition of what happened in Holland in the charity industry. People saw me as a threat because I was put in a special position. They were hiding me in a cave for two weeks. And when I finally got to meet the others, they were like, who are you? What are you doing here? And why do you have mm. this special position? And it was like a, a copy of what happened in the charity industry. So it was very insightful for me. Mm. And I learned a lot about group dynamics and about how you can try to fit in, but people will always feel that you're different. And then you might as well stand out and fully stand for who you are. Mm. So that's the things that I learned for all these crazy things that I did. And then I started writing books about everything that I experienced. I was hiding away on a Caribbean island uh, to write my first book. And I fell in love with the biggest playboy of the island. So I also <laughs> wrote a book, Have You Found Your Mr. Wrong Yet? And that's another way to develop your sense of self. You know, you mm. can blame other people. You can blame Mr. Wrong. You can blame the economy. You can blame your partner, your boss, whatever. But in the end, you are the one who's in control and who makes the choices. So all these experiences added to my toolkit of, of um, how to deal with life, basically. And more and more, I started um, helping other people navigate through their lives and their mm. challenges. And I do that through uh, keynote speeches, TEDx speeches, uh, books that I write, workshops, retreats, one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching. So... I don't really have a plan. I just go with the flow. And when I get a lot of questions about something, I organize something to help people. So people started to ask me, how do you write your book so fast? And I started organizing from idea to book workshops. And now they're online workshops because of Corona. Mm. And I organize writing retreats to help people write their book in one week. Uh, in three different locations in the world. And of course, with Corona, you know, I had to cancel them. So I do the, the retreats online with workshop series. So I just 
you know, nothing can really surprise me anymore. There's always a solution. And sometimes the solution that you find is even better than your original idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's amazing. Like I didn't know, yeah, I didn't know about Survivor. And um, yeah, I, how, so the big question that comes to, to mind when you share that is how do people, you say people ask you questions and then, you know, you kind of, kind of gauge from your audience of, you know, what you want to do and who you need to serve. So how do people follow you and how, you know, how does that work? Well, I started doing business and being visible long before the digital age. So mm. before the word digital nomad, before, you know, anything yeah, was digital, yeah. I was already traveling yeah. and, and uh, doing uh, like being an entrepreneur. And actually mm. this um, charity collection, I called it Coins for Care. It has mm. taught me about free publicity how to find hooks with a journalist to get your story published because that's how people knew that there were collection boxes in the supermarkets and, yeah. and banks and things like that so if this collection lasts for a year then you need to find a new angle every week every month mm. uh, instead of keeping uh, repeating the same story over and over again so this experience in free publicity before the digital age actually gave me the um, the, the skills that I needed to be visible in the digital age. So at some point I transferred this to social media mm. and I keep getting the feedback that people who follow me, they don't see any sales posts like buy my book or join my workshop. I give away uh, tips and experiences and inspiration. And then if people want more, they know where to find my workshops or other offers. So I have people who have been following me for 15 years. And sometimes they have like a fight on the internet. Well, I've been following <laughs> Esther for eight years. Well, I've been following her for 12 years. And it's just amazing to see that. And I get emails from people who say, I've been following you for 15 years. And now I'm thinking of writing my book and I want you to help me. Mm. So it's really a long-term investment which doesn't feel like an investment because it's just me being me and, and helping people but in the end the loyalty that you create and the engagement and the connection you have with your audience or followers um, that's what my foundation is so no matter what i do i organized a cruise your business cruise from spain to brazil a few times and people join the cruise just for the inspiration and just to be around me and to get inspired, whatever they want to do. Or they join my writing retreat without wanting to write a book. They use it as a focus week to work on something else and just to, you know, to be around inspiration. So often I don't know what my product is or what I'm going to do yeah. next. But for example, I feel like walking the, the Cinque Terre, the, the five little villages in, mm -hmm. in Italy that are connected by mountain pass. And I was just thinking, I'm going to plan to do that in April and I'm just going to invite anybody who wants to join me and then it will be an inspirational trip and I, I can teach them whatever they want to learn from me. But I'm going to be doing something that I want to be doing. It's not selling a retreat that I have to organize first or invest. I'm just going and then probably some people will join and we'll have a nice trip and I'll make some money and they will get inspired. So it's a win-win situation. And that's what somehow always happens or what I'm always looking for. That's amazing. So after your, after your first, uh, you know, big understand, you know, um, epiphany with the PR and you, you made raise the 16 million euros, which is absolutely amazing. Um, what was the next step you took using that knowledge to, you know, to launch the next product after that? Because 
that was before you had a big online presence, I guess, after you raised the money. So what was the next product after that? And how did you use that to kind of get going? Because it's, I think it's quite difficult sometimes when someone's come as far as you have and, you know, you have people following you, you can put out a, a post and then people want to come with you and do it. I just, I, what I'm trying to understand is how you got there. Um, I got asked to talk about my experiences. So I think mm. after the, the charity project, I became a speaker. So first they wanted me to talk about the charity experience. So raising all this money for charity and the charity world. But of course, course that story gets old at some point and if you're not charity or related to charity then companies don't have a lot of interest you know to hear that story so I kind of turned it around after a while I was still sharing the same story but the title was um, how to get big results with limited resources ah, and then business centric title yeah and it was also a crisis time, uh, beginning of the, 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 the millennium. And mm. so every company had a conference where they had to announce the cut of budgets. Yeah. So they would say to their employees, uh, you're going to have 20% less budget, but you have to achieve more. And so people would naturally protest. But if they put me as a keynote speaker at the beginning of the conference, sharing, you know, the coins for care, no excuses, anything is possible, think creatively, then people would be inspired and then the 20% budget cut would be a challenge and everybody would have the vocabulary to talk about it. And then every other experience I had, even the survivor experience, I would incorporate into my speeches. And then people would start asking me, could you write a book about this? And then, you know, do you want to teach me how to do it? So the workshop started. Uh, and yeah, ever since I've just been reacting to questions that I get. So I don't think, oh, I'm going to build this business. I'm going to put this product in the market. I just react to questions. Then you don't need to do market research. You don't need to invest. You don't, I just test things out on social media. Hey, I want to go on this cruise. Hey, I want to organize a writing retreat. Hey, I want to go walking in Italy. And then if nobody reacts, no problem. I haven't made any investments, uh, you know, nothing lost. And if people do react, then I just set something up and it's already existing. It's already out there. That's amazing. So that, what, make, what that makes you think of is, so you were on the speaker circuit for a while. For many, many years, I think 20 years. Yeah, I oh, was okay. one of the- <laughs> A long, little most, while. Yeah, I think I was one of the most uh, uh, asked speakers in the Netherlands mm. because uh, a lot of speakers are business speakers and they're mm. from the business world. And with me not fitting in any, you know, uh, uh, box, um, I was always like the the joker or the, the green card. And, um, and people couldn't, uh, how do you say, when you put some, an expert from a certain um, business area in, in a box. group, not only that, but they, if you say you need to do it like this, they say, oh, but we've already tried and our business is different. Mm -hmm. And I say, I know nothing about your business. I'm going to tell you a story about a Mr. Wrong, about Survivor, mm -hmm. about charity, about coins. And it's a buffet of inspiration. And just like in a buffet, some people want to try new things. Some people want to heap their plate with things they like. Just pick whatever you like. And at the end of my speech, I would ask them, what part of my story can you relate to your story? What are you going to do different tomorrow? And then they, the audience, will make the connection with their daily business. And if one person starts speaking, the other one adds, oh, but for me, it's also this. And oh, I really like mm. this part. 
So the audience is working to make the connection instead of me telling them what to learn or what to uh, remark. And that works That's really, a, really well. And it's also so it's like easy. Like a so like kind of, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like Gestalt where, you know, you're telling a story and it's what the other person's narrative in their own head, which is connecting them to your story. And, I don't know uh, about, about that, but it sounds similar. Yes, it sounds very similar. And it, it okay. works. I've given over a thousand keynote speeches and um, uh, because I'm traveling so much, it's, it's kind of going down a little bit because I'm never around when they have their conferences and stuff. But it's also a natural a natural cycle. Uh, I feel I still do some speeches and I really enjoy it, but it's not like I'm doing three a day anymore and traveling, you know, back and forth and, and you become kind of a, a robot sometimes, you know, automatic pilot. So were you part of a speaking um, organization, like a keynote speakers of X place? I, I, were, I was registered at some of those, but mostly uh, the requests came uh, word of mouth, um, people who would move from one company to the next and say, I've heard you speak 10 years ago and now I'm organizing an event. Can you come to my event? So really people have been following me for a long, long time. And that's how you build up a reputation and a brand. And even though what I do changes, the story, the, the, the main part of the story is always the same. Don't get confused or don't get frustrated by external circumstances that you cannot influence. Look at the parts that you can influence and then you have control of your life, your business, whatever. So don't waste your energy on things you cannot change. It's a very yeah cliche thing, but I have so many examples of so many different settings and storytelling, of course, is a big part of what I do. And, uh, and anything is a story. That's an amazing soundbite. That's definitely going to be our definitely going to be our soundbite for this podcast. Um, oh, great. Well, thanks, Esther. So, do you mind me asking a little bit about kind of the business of speaking? Because I I think most people don't understand you know the amount of money that changes hands for for speakers. So, you know, how would you go about you know charging for a for a speaking engagement? Yeah, if you want to be a speaker, um, first you have to be really really good. Hmm. If you um, apply for an agency and they um, they um, find a gig for you and you perform like mediocre, they're never gonna um, recommend you again. Mm -hmm. And there's this 10,000 hour rule. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell wrote about that, the story of success. Yeah. Um, if you wanna be a good singer, if you wanna be a good fighter pilot, you have to have 10,000 hours of experience. And as a speaker, just start speaking at family events, uh, school events, business clubs, rotary clubs, they always need speakers. Mm. Um, so not only you learn to share your story in a way that's interesting for your audience, but also you can do it in a way that you're not focused on yourself. Oh, what am I gonna say next? How am I gonna say this? Do I remember this correctly? But you're focused on your audience. What do they want? What do they need? And I don't prepare my speeches anymore. I just empty myself. I get on the stage and I take a question or something that has been said before as my first line. And from there on, it develops itself. And people can ask questions. They can interrupt me. Something can happen in the, in the area where I do the speech and I can tie it into my story. And that makes that enables me to be present and to be in the moment and to be connected to my audience to give them what they need. 
and I see a lot of speakers who can be experts in their topic, um, they're focused too much on themselves and they lose the connection. And that's what makes it a good speaker to be able to, to connect and to react to what's happening instead of uh, uh, roboting your story out on stage. And being too in your head, yeah. Yeah, so practice, practice, practice until you feel so comfortable with your story. They can wake you up three o'clock at night, put you in your bathrobe on stage uh, and ask you a question about any topic and you can share a story about that topic. Uh, yeah, that's amazing. That's and I think that comes from practice practice though doesn't it that comes from actually knowing deep deep inside you what you would say in that situation and it just comes to yeah. you doesn't it? it's like sales or anything else you know once you've done it enough times yeah. when somebody says something it just it just rebounds out of you yeah and you know what questions your audience are going to ask what objections they're going to have what you know what cases they're going to present and just so you feel comfortable in any situation and you can provide added value to your audience in any situation. And that's also when you start getting testimonials or reviews, not uh, Esther is a good speaker or I enjoyed her speech or I would recommend her, but then you get testimonials like, this thing she said really changed the way I do business. Or uh, after Esther's speech, uh, we get 10% um, less um, uh, demotivated people or we get uh, we work with 20% less but we get 30% more results that when you get testimonials that are really like that then you know you're developing into a speaker who really delivers added value instead of just entertainment so are there any speeches that really stand out in your brain in your mind like anything that was like the craziest thing that ever happened at a speech or <laughs> something that really reminded yeah, me I have some funny examples. The, the, the most special things, of course, are the TEDx speeches because I've given lots of speeches, but TEDx is something special and you have to do it in a limited time. And actually during my first TEDx speech, it was in Curacao in the Dutch Caribbean, fireworks started going off outside and they don't have beautiful fireworks, but just the fireworks that make a lot of noise. And yeah. at first I was thinking, okay, just ignore it, you know, just... But of course, everybody was looking around. It was very distracting. And then I decided to incorporate it into my story about disruptiveness and about, you know, being able to react to anything. So it was like, oh, there's fireworks going on. Let's listen to it. And everyone is listening. It's a lot of noise. But what do you do when you get disrupted by external factors? You know, do you let it influence or shall we just continue? So I managed to, to, to keep the attention. And then I realized this is the first English speech that I'm doing. And I really wanted this English recording because the rest was Dutch. And then I realized that the recording would be, um, you know, damaged by all these sounds. So I was really disappointed. And then uh, I asked the editors and they said, no, I think we can edit out the outside sound. And they managed to do that. But now you have perfect sound, but you have people looking in all directions on the video. It's <laughs> Weird. So, uh, so I thought actually it was a disaster. And then afterwards, people came to me and they said, you know, your example of how you dealt with this, it fits your story of the no excuses lady of, you know, the external circumstances, things you can and cannot influence. And apart from your story, the way you handle this inspired me so much that this is the highlight of the whole TEDx uh, event. And I was like, wow. So instead of 
distracting from what I wanted to convey, it actually added to the message that I eventually want to uh, convey. So in the end, whatever happens during a speech, it's always uh, part of the, the added value that you can deliver. Yeah, that, that story really reminds me of uh, Tony Robbins' story. Um, I'm a big one. Tony Robbins. Fan. So many stories. Uh, oh, sorry. I've been a, I've been to a lot of Tony Robbins events, and the one where he's saying like one of his first you know first big bigger seminars, he was doing it in a hotel that was by some railway tracks, and you know he says like oh every you know every so often a train went by and you know beeped its beeped its um, bell super super loud, and uh, you know this was also he was trying to push through it, but you couldn't push through it because you know once every like fifteen minutes ten minutes there was like trains just blowing their steam because there was a siding nearby so what he did he made everyone like jump up and down like continuously and now it's part of his every single event that they randomly drop the <laughs> drop the train bell because it like breaks the pattern which is all about you know he linked it to breaking the pattern and that's tony robbins whole thing is you know break the pattern make the change and make people jump up and down get them excited yeah so, and yeah, this is really not cool. only a good speaker but also a good entrepreneur and just yeah. a life skill that you should have um, if shit happens, it happens, you know, you can stop the shit from happening and you can try to stay away from it. And what I learned, if, if, if there's shit happening, you better dive in because in this pile of shit is a present. And the sooner you find the present, the sooner you can move on instead of trying to deny that there's a shitty smell or, you know, if shit happens, it happens. If shit happens, dive in. Yeah, and find the present in the shit because there's always a present, whatever the situation is. Cool. Oh, I like that. I like the uh, I like the metaphor. So, is that the first time you use that metaphor, or do you use that one a lot? I have used it before, and I also noticed in some recordings that my pronu pronunciation of the the present uh, sounds like also the the present. You know, the present time. So sometimes people think, "What does she mean? You you, you mean?" your presence is in the in the shit or it's the same pronunciation it's the same pronunciation same pronunciation yeah. it's just context yeah, okay, same, same. Yeah. well i yeah. think so anyway i mean i'm i'm english and my my english is bad my wife corrects all my english and she's not a native speaker that's funny it also creates some funny situations of course when you're not a native speaker sometimes you say something weird or funny or but it's all part of the part of the deal you know it creates, it breaks the pattern, like you say, and you have some laughs or some confusion and uh, it's all part of the game. Yeah, I agree. That's awesome. You know, it sounds like you've had an amazing uh, career in speaking. Can I, you know, can I ask you a bit about, you know, how do you charge for it? You know, if someone comes to you and say, I want you to speak at my event, do you work out how big the event is, what they can afford? Or do you have a set pricing model you've worked out over the many years? Like, how does it work? Yeah, it's um, of course in in Europe it's different from uh, from the US. But um, in the beginning, I was doing a lot of speeches for free, um, mm. just to get the practice. And I wouldn't say they're for free, but I would do it for for example in exchange for a video recording of mm. the speech. I would say I'll come to your event. You don't have to pay me, but make sure mm. I get a professional video recorded. And that's a good deal for both. Mm. Um, or I would ask, what is your budget? And sometimes they would say, uh, well, you know, we only have a hundred dollars and that's the sign they don't take you seriously. But then again, if it's an organization that you, you feel sympathy for, you can still do it. 
also, I've been surprised that some event organizers say, oh, you know, we've, we only have 5,000 euros for this 15-minute speech. Would you, you know, do it? And My I'm friend like, said well, that as well. Okay. Yeah. My friend said that he was, you know, he was looking for one of his first speeches. He reached out and he said, what's your budget? And they said, you know, $2,500. He just wanted some practice. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. great. So, so what I've learned, always ask, what is your mm. budget? And some will ask, what is your fee? And then I would always mention a range. Uh, so I started off in, in Holland, the professional speakers start at 1500 euros and then, you know, it grows two and a half thousand, three thousand, five thousand, and it depends how famous you are. I think in the US, if you charge anything under three thousand or five thousand dollars, they don't even take you seriously because also in the US, usually it involves traveling, right? So if you give a speech, half hour speech, it will take you a day of traveling. Mm. But the most important thing is before you start charging that you need to have the feedback that your speech really provides the added value and get videos recorded because you can use those videos to compile demo video, but also you should watch them yourself and with other people to get feedback on your performance. And when you get videos of your speech, a lot of people have a video of themselves with the microphone. That's not what event organizers or speaker agencies are looking for. They want to see your interaction with the audience. They want to see you react to questions from the audience. They want to see your audience fascinated or laughing or intrigued. So make sure to have this interaction with the audience and also to capture it. Oh, that are amazing tips. Good reviews, then you can start charging. But first, you need to have, you know, you, you need to be able to say you've done already like 100 speeches with this and this and this organization. These are your testimonials. Here's some video material. And then you can start charging like a professional speaker. And another tip if they want to negotiate about your fee, uh, because event organizers, they have to show their manager that they got a good deal, mm -hmm. right? So instead of taking a hundred or $500 of the price, what I tend to do is say, you know what, I'm going to be there already. So mm. apart from my speech, I can also do a workshop, mini workshop, or I can bring a hundred books and or 10 books and give them away to the audience. Mm. So um, it's good to offer something extra instead of, you know, having a negotiation about the price. That's an awesome tip as well. Like yeah, adding value rather than discounting. And that's it. Yeah, that's yeah. what we always do in sales as well. You know, discounting so makes people think that you're not you. worth it. Whereas adding value is like, you are the most generous person. Yeah. And the event organizer will go back to their manager and say, I've got this great deal. And that's what it's all about. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing. Like, thank you for those tips. Cause I think anyone that wants to, you know, make money out of speaking or enhance their current career by trying to leverage their skill set can definitely follow what you just shared to you know to to make money and i think i mean everyone says you know build a personal brand and i never i never believe i ignored it i ignored that for maybe five years until i realized that some of my friends were getting these opportunities come to them just through you know through speaking at events or through doing podcast appearances or things like that that they wouldn't have got otherwise just like you said yeah. people, you know it's things true. happening it's very important. And also what I just said, the, instead of discounting, offering something extra, it also applies to other uh, types of business. For example, when I organize a writing retreat and I want to make a special offer to get more people, instead of saying you get a 500 euro discount, I say you get an extra one-on-one -on -one session with me before or after the event. 
So just offering extra value, um, it, it appeals to people. They feel special, plus you help them to achieve their goal. An extra session before or after a writing retreat makes the book better. So it's yeah, in both interests to do that. And it doesn't cost me anything except for an hour of my time. And, I, and I'm sure it makes you feel even more fulfilled like being able yeah. to help somebody one-on-one because they're the best things. I mean, I find they're the best things talking to somebody one-on-one connecting and you know, sure. actually helping them because in a short amount of time, you can give so much value yeah. as opposed to- I really to like doing long-term. that. I'm, I'm very um, like, there's a lot of scarcity because I cannot, is it called scarcity? <laughs> uh, scarcity is fine. Scarcity, yeah, I have to remember. Um, because, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of energy working with somebody one-on-one. When I do those one-on-one sessions, I, I give my all, you know, and, mm. and my brain works at full speed and I do give a lot of value, but it's not that I can do that six hours a day or even uh, three hours a day. So there has to be some, um, yeah, for some people, you know, they can also get the information that I give in, in a video. So right now, I'm kind of consolidating everything that I've ever taught and everything I know into videos that before I give a workshop or before I have a one-on-one call with somebody, I already can transfer all the knowledge and the content. And then the session I have will be more a question and answer session instead of me giving information. Mm. So I start noticing that I, I share a lot of the same tips over and over again. And now I'm recording all those tips. So I don't have to be the robot repeating those things and I can focus on implementing it with people. How do you implement this information in your business or in your personal life? Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's really good. And um, it was something I read recently as well that was talking about that and talking about, you know, teach something yourself over and over again until you get asked too many times that you can then turn it into a product. Because I think now too many people record products before they've actually given the values. So the product doesn't really hit the market in exactly the right way. Yeah, I think, the, I think your way is perfect. Right. And how do you know that something has value? If mm. you notice yourself repeating it over and over again and people saying, oh, that's a good tip. Oh, that's really mm. an eye opener for me. Then you know you have the diamonds. And if you collect all those diamonds, you have explosive material. Mm. When I yeah. do a webinar or a workshop, the feedback that I get often is people say, oh, I've had a lot of coaches or I've done a lot of webinars, but you cut right through the you know the essence you you start immediately delivering content instead of talking about what you're going to be sharing what you're going to be mm. selling i just start giving um content and tips and inspiration and added value and i'm not afraid that it will ever run out or that i give away my best tips because there's so much so much to share yeah and you're continuously learning and growing from everybody so you're always always learning and sharing so that's amazing mm. I was wondering, what other businesses have you seen or heard about recently which have kind of captured your imagination? Because we all have all this, like, you know, we always see shiny objects and we always think this would be a cool thing to do, but it's not necessarily what I would want to do. But have you seen anything recently that's really captured your imagination? Well, there's so many things happening online, um, like really young businesses, uh, tools, smart tools and apps and everybody using Trello right now and Slack and whatever. And I'm feel like I'm getting kind of old fashioned. I prefer working with email because it's very linear and I know what's happening. And 
uh, it's weird because my brain works not in a linear way, but with those communication things, I prefer linear and then I can go in all the different directions uh, otherwise. So, um, yeah, what we've been talking about in the beginning, like the cryptocurrency thing, I really, you know, respect what is happening and I admire what people are doing, but it's really not my field of interest. I'm, I'm good at some things. I understand some things and I've discovered the added value and I'd rather focus on those things that are within my uh, area of interest and expertise. I mean, if you, if you were excited about one thing and you thought I would, I would do that, you know, if I had more time or if I wanted to create the time, cause I guess, you know, we always create time to do things that we actually really want to do. But is there anything at the moment that you thought like this would be the coolest thing? Yeah, I'm actually doing it right now. So I'm collecting all my knowledge about a certain topic and mm. putting it into a book and an e-course uh, videos about book writing, about uh, living life as a location independent entrepreneur. Mm. Uh, those are the main topics, but then related, of course, our visibility, personal branding and all the things that go with that free publicity, the things we've talked about being a speaker it's all related. So I'm starting to record modules. And then one day I hope to have a website where people can mix and match. Like I want to yeah. be an author and I want to do speaking and uh, I want to live location independent. And then you put those modules together and you have your ideal um, course or information uh, library, whatever you want to call it. Cool. That's cool. Like a hub and yeah, pick and choose yeah. what you want to build your, like build your ideal life, like yeah. one brick at a time. Cool. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing right now. And I feel also that I'm kind of consolidating, you know, all the years of experience and work and, and added value I've created to, to find a way to transfer that when I'm not doing it myself or when I'm not there or to make it accessible to people. And it's also like a legacy, you know, that I've created and now I have to make it visible and make it tangible instead of everything being in my mind. Yeah. And you've done so much already. And I know you've got a lot more to do. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I know all the subjects that we've kind of dived into during this talk, we probably could have talked about, you know, two hours on every single one of the separate ones. <laughs> um, we've done pretty well, I think. Yeah. Dive through a life. Um, yeah. So I, I know you mentioned soon that it's your birthday soon and I know you're running a, um, well, like you, de you described it, something for you, something really, really special for your 50th birthday. Yeah, I thought turning 50, um, I want to celebrate the journey that I've made, but I also want to see if I can contribute to other people's journey. So I thought, what can I do in these times of Corona? I cannot organize a physical party. And apart from that, all my friends are all over the world. So I just decided to give away my best work. So I'm mm -hmm. giving away books, workshops, one-on-one -on -one sessions, um, even a no excuses tattoo <laughs> for somebody who feels really drawn to uh, the no excuses philosophy. And I've made it really easy. So you can just sign up for either an area that you're interested in and I pick a gift for you, or you can sign up for a specific gift. Um, you can just go to estherjacobs.info slash birthday. And there you have all the 50 gifts I'm giving away during 50 days. So until somewhere end of July, uh, my actual birthday is June 28th. Uh, so I think I'll do something special then. And anybody, if you want to share the link with somebody, feel free. Um, sharing is caring. EstherJacobs.info slash birthday. And by doing that, you'll be joining my birthday party and um, you'll join in sharing my legacy, inspiration, my best work. 
And if you can shine, if you can be inspired and learn, get something from that and then pay it forward, then I think uh, it's the best 50th birthday I could uh, imagine. Yeah, that's, uh, that's an amazing gift for anyone that's listening and also anyone that follows you. So I encourage anyone to go sign up at estherjacobs.com slash birthday. Dot info. Slash info, sorry. Oh, no. Dot info slash birthday. Good that you, that you say that because a lot of people make that mistake because dot info is a weird uh, URL, mm. but dot nl and dot com were already taken. So I went for dot info. So it's estherjacobs.com. Who's, who's got estherjacobs.com? Have you uh, tracked them uh, down? Yeah, it's a Dutch lady, a coach in the, the south of the Netherlands. And for 25 years, she's been getting most traffic through my uh, exposure. And if yeah. she gets an email from me, she always forwards it. And uh, it's actually a funny story. I, I Googled once, there were three Esther Jacobses. And I decided to do uh, an Esther Jacobs get together. So they came from all parts of the Netherlands and we met somewhere in the middle for a dinner. Yeah. And uh, just a coincidence, all three of us arrived at the same time in the restaurant. So we said we made a reservation and uh, uh, the host said, okay, you made a reservation, what name? And all three of us said, Esther Jacobs. And he looked and he was like, okay, let's just ignore it. <laughs> so it's a funny thing. There's a few Esther Jacobses, but there's only one estherjacobs.info. Yeah, the best one. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming, <laughs> Esther. And thanks for being a guest on my podcast. And um, yeah, I'll let you know when this goes live. So anything else you want to say to the listeners before we close? No excuses. <laughs> no excuses. So th yeah, thank you, Esther. Thank you for coming on the Location Independent Startup Show. And I'm looking forward to seeing you again, hopefully in the next few months, once we can travel around the world. Great. Thanks. <laughs>